0: As you watch this teaching, I would like to ask you to please subscribe, like, and comment so more people can see it. Welcome to Home Group. My name is Rick Renner. And tonight I'm here with Denise Renner, Paul Renner, and Joel Renner. We're all here except for Philip. And Philip is doing his ministry in America. And we just speak a blessing to Philip in Jesus' name.
1: Amen. But we're here
0: tonight. Hey, Denise. Hi,
1: Rick. Home group, welcome. I'm so glad to be back with you again. We'd love to be with you. Hey, Paul. Hi, home group is a great place to be. Prepare to learn today. Open your minds and open your hearts so that the Holy Spirit can speak to you. Prepare your Bible because we will be studying our Bibles today. That's what we do at home group. So open your heart, and I'm sure this will be a blessing to you. I am prepared to learn today. Paul, I am too. I am prepared to learn, and I want to learn with you guys. Thank you for joining
0: us. It's an honor we get to study the Bible together. It is the truth. And if you would please comment on these videos, we really do read all the comments and we really appreciate seeing your comments. Amen, and you know what? We don't just read, sometimes I comment back to people, I do a reply to people who write. I, I was reading all your comments this morning, it means so much to me. So please talk to us, we wanna hear what you have to say and what you think, Joel. I wanna say if you need prayer, please call our office or write us at prayerrenner.org. We believe in the power of prayer. It can change your life, it really can. And if you can tell us how to pray for you, it will help us pray even better. So if you would call us, we would love to put our faith out with yours.
1: And if you are our partner, thank you so much for being a partner with us. It means so much and you're helping so many people. Thank you.
0: Well, this week we're gonna talk about being in the right place at the right time. It's important for you to be in the right place at the right time. And we want you to have the free download that goes with it called being in the right place at the right time. And you can get this right now by just going to Render.org. It's so easy to navigate our website, which is brand new. If you haven't seen our new website, go there. It is beautiful. It is loaded. There's so much there. But you can get the free download there right now. And we're also offering the whole series, Being in the Right Place at the Right Time. It's five parts. My friends, you can be in the right place at the right time. It's one of the secrets to doing well in life. And we're also offering you my book called The Will of God, The Key to Your Success. When I wrote this book, it really affirmed so many things to me about being in the will of God. The subtitle says, Positioning Yourself to Live, Live in God's Supernatural Power, Provision, and Protection. Power, provision, and protection come to you when you are in the will of God, when you're in the right place at the right time. So that's what we're going to talk about tonight.
1: I think you'll really like that book. Besides the book being about finding the will of God for your life, it's also a very deep study of the life of Paul. And you may read some things about the life of Paul that you haven't read or heard in other places. So it's definitely a great book. Well, do you guys have your Bibles?
0: Do you have do. your Bible? This is home group. We use the Bible. So let's open our Bibles tonight to Acts chapter 13. We're going to begin in verse 1. And we're going to kind of move slowly because I want us to really cover this very, very well. And Paul, I want you and me to share some of our experiences about Antioch. Okay. But let's begin at Acts chapter 13, verse 1. And the Bible says, Now there were in the church that was at Antioch. You need to either underline or circle that word Antioch in verse 1. It is so important. Now there were in the church that was at Antioch certain prophets and teachers as Barnabas and Simeon that was called Niger, and Lucius of Cyrene, and Mannion, which had been brought up with Herod the Tetrarch. He was actually a relative of Herod. That's why he had been brought up with him. And Saul, who of course later became known as the Apostle Paul. But hey, let's kind of dive into this verse. Notice it begins with the word now. In Greek it is the word day. It is an exclamatory statement. It's like the Holy Spirit says now. He's quite excited about what he's going to tell us in this verse. So he's announcing it. He uses the little Greek word, now it's like an exclamation. Even the Holy Spirit as he inspired this text was excited about what God did in the church at Antioch. Isn't that exciting? God is excited about what he does in the church. And this says, now there were in the church. The word in is even important because the word in, believe it or not, is the Greek word kata. That is so unusual. Because the word catechare carries the idea of something that is dominating, something that is conquering, even something that is subjugating. It's the idea of dominance. So it really carries this idea. Now there were dominating in the church that was at Antioch, certain prophets and teachers. And it tells us about the phenomenal role of prophets and teachers in the church at Antioch." Now we're going to come back to Antioch in just a moment, but notice it says, in the church. Let's talk for a moment about the word church. What is the church? Is the church the building down the street with a steeple? Is the church the huge building down the highway? What is the church? And where does the word church come from? Well, guess what? Just like nearly every word in the New Testament, it did not have its origin in Christian vocabulary. It was a secular word. Actually, it was a political word. You guys, it was a political word, a, civ- a civic word borrowed from Athens. And in Athens, there was a political body called the ecclesia. That's the word church. church. That's the Greek word translated church. Why did the New Testament writers use this word, ekklesia. Well, you've got to go back in history to figure it out. And in Athens, there was the ekklesia. Who were they? Well, the word ekklesia is a compound of two words. The word ek means out, and the word kaleo, which means to call. So, when you compound the two words together, it means to Call. call out, to summon forth. It describes a very privileged, prestigious group of individuals who were called out from society in Athens. They were elected, they were selected. Do you see how all this connects to New Testament language? For example, in Ephesians chapter 1, the Bible says that we have been elected, chosen by God. All of this fits in together with the concept of the word church, ecclesia. We have been elected by the Holy Spirit, called out from society, but wait, wait, wait. What did this original group do in the city of Athens? Well, guess what? They convened about once a week. Look at that. How often do we convene? Usually once a week. Once a week. Do you know how they started every one of their sessions? Probably with a song. With a song, with a sacrifice, with worship to the gods. How do we begin most of our worship services? With a song, with a worship, by giving an offering. And in, in the ecclesia in Athens, there was a kairukes, the K-Rooks was the herald or the proclaimer. What do we have in all of our churches? Pastors, preachers. We have pastors that are preachers. Do you see why the Holy Spirit chose these words? They all have such ramifications. Let me finish That so we're going to jump to Paul. But what did they do when they assembled in Athens? And if I could take you to Athens, I could take you right to the spot where they met because it's very famous. That's
1: what I was gonna say. A few years ago, we were in Athens together. Yeah. And I remember your excitement when we got to the place where the ecclesia gathered. Yeah. And especially the podium, it's still there, a marble podium where the, what we would call the preacher the pastor today stood stood to speak to the ecclesia. And this is outside. So it even adds to the idea that the church is not a building. It's a place where people called out, gathered together.
0: And the ecclesia also had a bole. The word bole really referred to elders. It's amazing how the Holy Spirit connected all these concepts in the idea of the church. But what was the purpose of the ecclesia in Athens? They made political decisions They decided who would be admitted to the city. They decided who would be rejected, kicked out of the city. They chose leaders, they formed policy, they made laws. They were the ruling body in the city of Athens. Do you see how powerful that is? And God took all of that into the word church, ecclesia, which means we, you and me, all of us, if we're saved, we're not accidents. We have been elected to be members of the church. Amen. We are prestigious. We are a very honorable group of individuals. God has called us to assemble regularly. And when we come together, we come to worship. We come to sacrifice to the Lord. And we come to hear the Kairuk's, the pastor, the proclaimer, declare to us the Word of God. We respect those who serve as the bole, the elders, the leaders in our church. And together as a church... As a church, this is what the word ecclesia means. We're not just huddling together to hide out from society. No, 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 no. God has called us to be the ruling voice, to impact every atmosphere where we live. God's intention is that the church rule in the spirit realm and that we dominate and that we decide what happens, that we affect policies, we affect laws. We affect the atmosphere, the environment of every city or town where we live. We are the church. All of that is in this word church. And friends, I want to tell you, when the Holy Spirit chose this word ekklesia, and when the early Christian writers and preachers began to use the word ekklesia to describe the church, guess what? It was a dangerous word to use. That was a dangerous word. Because they were declaring, every time they called themselves Ecclesia, the church, Mm. they had the power to rule and reign. Mm. You know why? Because they are an alternative government. They are the government of God. It is the kingdom of God. And that's how God rules the earth. God rules the earth through the church. And I want to read to you directly from my notes. Listen to this. The church is a called, separated, prestigious assembly... It was used, this word ecclesia, to denote distinguished citizens, that's us, who determined laws, debated public policy, formulated new policies, argued and ruled in judicial matters. They elected the chief magistrates of the land. They were selected from society to join this assembly, which was a great honor. And in the New Testament, this very word ecclesia depicts the body of believers that have been called out, called for, selected, and assembled. To be God's representatives in every town, city, state, or nation, it is a body called to make decisions that affects the atmosphere of a region. That's us. Say amen. 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 That's who we are, guys. We are the church of the living God. And every time New Testament readers saw that word church, ecclesia, all of that registered with them. I mean, immediately they would hold their head high. They were the church. We are the church. Say amen.
1: amen. Amen. But
0: hey, let's go on. It says this was the church at Antioch. Mm. Well, turn in your Bibles to Acts 11, verse 19. And in Acts chapter 11, verse 19, we find when the gospel first came to Antioch, and listen to what it says. Now they which were scattered abroad upon the persecution that arose about Stephen traveled as far as Phoenix and Cyprus and what? Antioch Antioch, preaching the word to none, but unto the what? Jews only. Jews only. Here's what happened. When Stephen was stoned and his death is recorded in Acts chapter 8, what year did that happen? Well, it happened somewhere between the year 34 and the year 36. There's a lot of debate about that, but that's the window between the year 34 and 36. And if you read Acts chapter 8, He was actually stoned in Acts chapter 7. But in Acts chapter 8, the Bible says that when Stephen was stoned, the disciples went everywhere preaching the Word of God. They were scattered. And history tells us at that time, Peter went north, and he was among those who came to the city of Antioch. And if you go to Antioch today, they will tell you Peter is the one who founded the church in Antioch. And actually, there is no reason to debate that. But when he arrived in Antioch, at that time this verse says, and this is the truth, he preached to Jews only because Pentecost had not happened for the Gentiles yet. That happened in Acts chapter 10. So when the Jews were first scattered, they only preached to Jews. They went to all the Jewish colonies, to all the Jewish communities, all over these regions. And it was Peter who went north and came to the city of Antioch. And he focused on the Jewish community for a time and they got saved, and Paul and I have been there. And Paul, it's pretty amazing, isn't it?
1: Antioch's a great place to go. It's not easy to get there because first you have to fly to Istanbul, and from then from Istanbul you have to take another flight, which I think was Antakya. About, takes Antakya.
0: To Antakya is yeah. really modern-day Antioch.
1: Which is right on the Syrian border just above Israel. Uh, and when, when you get there and you say, take me to the church, they take you to a graveyard. They take you to the old graveyard, a very, very pagan pagan site where you wouldn't think that churches should be gathering today, which really speaks about how unreligious the church of that day was. Well, actually, when you go to visit
0: the ancient site of the church of Antioch, which is completely authenticated, there is not a question about it because it was the, the most important church in the early church. It is so well authenticated. And... It it met in a cave, that wasn't unusual. I'm sure the cave didn't look like a cave because you know what? People in the first century were not as primitive as people think. They had running water, they had toilets, they had everything, they even had ventilation. I could take you to Ephesus, you would be shocked at how sophisticated their homes were in the first century. But the church was situated in a cave originally and it had been turned into a church into a chapel, into some kind of a meeting hall, let's say a meeting hall. But when you stand back and look at that place where that cave is, it is so pagan. It was a graveyard. There are niches in the cliffs above the cave, above the chapel, the meeting hall, where all kinds of idols and statues and gods were. And it was generally believed by the pagans that from that place, the dead were transported into the netherworld. It's not a place where you would imagine to find Christians. But guess what? It was such a foul place spiritually. Pagans didn't even want to go there. Well, Christians at that time were under persecution. So where did they go? They went where no one would bother them. And the church of Antioch met in that meeting hall in the side of that cliff in the middle of that graveyard. I think that is amazing because today people say, Oh, there's witches in our city. Well, maybe there are. Oh, there's so much darkness against us. You know what? The early church thrived, thrived in dark places. Thrived. And there's a lot of talk today about that evil's going to take over the country and it's getting darker and darker. And you know what? We need to push it back as much as we can. But the church has always been a light in darkness. Nothing new about that. And the church of Antioch, was situated and
1: flourished in that dark, 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 dark place. Paul? It was new for us when we went there to hear that historians say that actually Peter started the church in Antioch because I had always thought that the church in Antioch was started by the group of people that we read about here in Acts chapter 13. No, no, they were much later. But That came later. Yeah. Which means when Paul came to Antioch, he actually came to a functioning church.
0: He did. It was functioning.
1: He joined a body of believers.
0: That's exactly right. In fact, let's go on reading Acts chapter 11. Look at verse 19 again. Now, they which were scattered abroad upon the persecution that arose about Stephen traveled as far as Phoenix and Cyprus and Antioch, preaching the word to none but unto the Jews only. Now remember, by the time that we eventually get to Acts chapter 13, there's Jews and Gentiles in the church. But it started as a Jewish congregation only. Look at verse 20. And some of them were men of Cyprus and Cyrene, which, when they were come to Antioch, spake unto the Grecians, preaching the Lord Jesus. So it started with the Jews. Then we know, after the Holy Spirit fell on the Gentiles, in Acts chapter 10, apparently some saved Jews began preaching to the Greeks, and they got saved. Verse 21 tells us that. And the hand of the Lord was with him, and a great number believed and turned to the Lord." So now it's no longer just a Jewish church, now it's a Jewish and a Gentile church. Wait, 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 wait. That had never happened in history. Jews and Gentiles didn't get along. Worshiping together. They were worshiping together, sitting at the same table together. Wait, 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 this cannot happen. This is a cultural violation, Jews and Gentiles don't even come into the same room together. They don't sit at the same table together to eat. And in fact, good Jews, thanks God every day that they were born a Jew and not a filthy, stinking,
1: low down dog, Gentile. The, the barrier was so big that when the <clears throat> leaders in Jerusalem found out that Gentiles were being saved, they actually asked themselves the question, is this possible? Is it even possible for Gentiles to get saved and receive the Holy Spirit? They needed proof of it. So the the difference was today it seems normal that everyone can get saved, everyone can be baptized, everyone can receive the Holy Spirit. But this was the first time it had ever crossed the The line. The line. It was a new idea. And that's why verse
0: 22 says, Then tidings, or news of these things came to the ears of the church, which was in Jerusalem. And they sent forth Barnabas that he should go as far as Antioch. Why? To check it out. Verse 23, Who when he came and had seen the grace of God was glad and exhorted them all that with purpose of heart they should cleave unto the Lord. Verse 24, For he was a good man and full of the Holy Ghost and faith and much people were added unto the Lord. But then he did something unique. In verse 25, Then departed Barnabas to Tarsus for to seek Saul. Saul of Tarsus got saved and then he disappeared. you know why he disappeared? Because he created such a ruckus in Jerusalem and the New Testament Jerusalem church leaders didn't know what to do with him. So they put him on a boat. They sent him home. He went home. Here he had been saved probably lost his family because he's converted to Christ. He has no friends in Jerusalem. They got rid of him. They sent him out of town. He's gone back to Tarsus. He's by himself and seems to have just disappeared from the scene. But Barnabas believed he was really saved. And Barnabas said, I'm going to find that Saul. I'm going to go to Tarsus and I'm going to find him. Well, Tarsus was not too far from Antioch. It's pretty close actually. So he went over to Tarsus and we're told in verse 26 and when he had found him. I would circle that word found. The word found, the Greek word heurisko, which is the Greek word which describes a very intense investigation, which means he had to really look to find Saul. Well, it's very interesting that in Tarsus today, you can visit the ruins of the house where Saul, the Apostle Paul, had grown up with his parents, and I believe they really are the authentic ruins. No reason. To doubt it. It has been verified and verified and verified. What a joy it was to go there. Tarsus today is a very small village, but in the first century it was huge. Antony and Cleopatra came there. It was quite an amazing place. The Apostle Paul was raised in a very, very luxurious city. And Barnabas came there and this word found means he had to really dig. He was digging and digging. Finally, he found him. In fact, the word found, the Greek word Eureka is where we get the word Eureka. And Eureka, he finally found him. And when he found him, he brought him unto Antioch. And it came to pass that a whole year they assembled themselves with the church and taught much people. And the disciples were called Christians first in Antioch. Now go back to chapter 13, verse 1. You guys ready?
1: I want to add a few comments. First of all, this makes sense when you realize how close Tarsus was to Antioch. For us, it was about a three-hour drive. So uh, Barnabas could have literally walked from Antioch to Tarsus. And Paul's house in Tarsus was not far from the central part of the city. And if, if you remember, there was no internet back in the day. There were no mobile phones. (laughs) (laughs) So to find someone, you probably actually would have to go to the city square or to the central market and say, have you heard of? Or to the synagogue.
0: To the synagogue.
1: To the synagogue. And you have to look for someone. And as soon as he found him, then he had to convince him to leave whatever business he was in, whatever he was doing. Paul was probably busy. Mm -hmm. And Paul had to trust Barnabas to go with him to Antioch. Well, actually, Paul was from a
0: very wealthy family. You know, the... History, most people who teach church history say that Paul was a tent maker. It's not exactly right. He was from a family that fabricated tents for the Roman legions. Very wealthy, wealthy family. And so for him to leave Tarsus, uh, he, he was leaving something very good and Paul had had a really bad experience with the church in Jerusalem. He may not have been very excited about going to another church. And I want to tell you there's a lot of people sitting at home today that have had bad experiences with churches? You need to find them. What if Barnabas had never gone looking for Saul? We may not have Saul's letter, Paul's letters today. Thank God that he went look for somebody who disappeared from the church. If you know somebody who's quit going to church, you need to go find them and bring them back to church again. Help them.
1: Amen. I was going to say, Paul's house, when you see Paul's house, that it's still there today. Well, the foundations. The fa- well, the fa- parts of the... Fa- and the well. The well is still there. They had a well. Yeah. I think that's significant. That's, that means they were wealthy. They had a well. This place is built on stone. It's on a mountain. They had a well, meaning it was very difficult to dig a well in the time, and we actually got to drink some water from we Paul's did. well.
0: But hey, let's go on in verse 13, verse 1. We're just getting started tonight. Look at it. Hey, I bet you're learning something new tonight. Isn't this amazing? Mm-hmm. Look at this. Now there was in the church at Antioch certain prophets and teachers. The word certain in Greek is the word usan. It's a form of the Greek word amy, which here would be better translated at Antioch existing prophets and teachers, or you could even translate it flourishing. That's why they were dominating. Remember the word "n" is the Greek word kata, domination, These prophets and teachers were flourishing in Antioch. God was doing something really unique in Antioch. And it says there were prophets and teachers. Well, when we come back tomorrow night, we're going to look at the word prophet and we're going to look at the word teacher. What does that mean, prophets and teachers? I think you're going to be quite amazed. And then the Bible identifies the group that was dominating, leading, existing, flourishing as spiritual leaders in Antioch. And it says, Barnabas... Simeon that was called Niger, Lucius of Cyrene, Manian, which had been brought up with Herod the Tetrarch, and Saul. Well, this is quite an amazing group. Only two of them are Jews, Barnabas and Saul. Simeon that was called Niger. The word Niger is the word for black. This was a black man. What? And he was not a Jew. He was a Gentile. We're going to get more into this tomorrow. Probably he was a slave. Lucius of Cyrene, where is Cyrene? It is in Northern Africa. So here we have another African and most people speculate this was another black man. So now not only do we have Jew and Gentile, we have different skin colors in the same room at the same table. This has never happened before. This is all culturally a violation. And Mannion, this even gets weirder, Mannion, which had been brought up with Herod the Tetrarch, Mannion was royalty. So now we find royalty at the same table with slaves. How in the world is that possible? None of it's possible except in Jesus Christ. And in Jesus Christ, it's all possible because class distinctions, color, all of it evaporates. And later the Apostle Paul wrote that in Christ Jesus, there's neither Jew nor Greek, there's neither bond nor free, circumcised nor uncircumcised, Scythian or barbarian, male or female. Where did he get that revelation? Right here, he got it in Antioch. He saw something in Antioch that he would have never seen if he had stayed in the church of Jerusalem. And that was good because he was the apostle to the Gentiles. If he had been in Jerusalem, he would have never received the training that he needed But by putting him in Antioch, he saw what he needed to see. He became more open-minded. He understood the gospel was not a Jewish thing only, but it was for everybody. All class distinctions disappear in Jesus Christ. He was transformed by being in the right place at the right time. And guys, we are out of time. Have you enjoyed tonight? Oh, yes. A lot of teaching. I'm looking forward to coming back tomorrow night. Hey, sleep well. We'll see you tomorrow night. Bye-bye. If that teaching helped you, would you please subscribe, like, and comment so more people can see it?